back, guys, to another episode of Average Bro Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Peyton, joined alongside by my host, Colton. I'm now going to kick it over to you to give you a little rundown for what's in store for today's show. Let's hear. All right, guys, once again, we have a jam-packed show for all you guys, so let just jump into some of the stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to start off with some quick hitters, just some quick news making, uh, going around the sports world right now. And then we're going to dive headfirst into all our divisional matchups this weekend. We'll make our picks. And pretty much that's all about it. So let's jump right in it. Well, stay tuned. So, uh, again, we're going to start off with our news making headlines this week. I'm sure as you guys have all heard, and it's been making news for a while. They've been going back and forth. Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. I don't personally think the fight's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot of money for that to happen. Well, so. yeah, because I mean, if you originally hear uh, Floyd Mayweather was on uh, ESPN First Take earlier this week, and he was talking about he already offered uh, Conor McGregor $15 million compared to him offering himself $100 million to fight. And if that didn't get him in the books, I mean, how is he going to accept something that Dana White's offering now $25 million a piece? How is he going Floyd Mayweather's not going to What did you... Floyd, you didn't see what Floyd Mayweather said? He's, he's like, are you fucking comedian you didn't see what he said he's like 25 million that's are you are you fucking joking i think if i if i saw the headlines correctly um floyd mayweather reacted by saying <clears throat> excuse me uh are you a fucking comedian i believe yeah you're a fun comedian floyd shoots down dana white's low 25 million dollar dollar offer to fight conor mcgregor which if you consider what floyd mayweather has been netting in these purses. I mean, well, that is pretty much a joke. Yeah, I mean, Floyd Mayweather, I mean, he said he put himself, he lowballed himself with $100 million on that first offer. He said there's times he's making like, you know, 150 mil, like, minimum. So he lowballed himself with $100 million. I know definitely he's going to take 25 No. And I mean, and on other news, similar news, uh, Canelo Alvarez has announced um, the next pay-per-view match against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I believe in May, right? Yeah, I believe it's going to be in May. Um, how do you feel about that one? I think that'd be that'd be pretty interesting. You know, uh, Alvarez definitely. You know, he's still an up and coming fighter. He's pretty good. It should be an interesting fight. I mean, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, I think I believe. I I, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I'd pay to watch it. I mean, I think it'd be a pretty interesting fight. I'm not really too much into boxing, but I mean, with that matchup, it seems like it could be an interesting uh, matchup between the two fighters. I think it would be too. I mean, only for the simple fact that Canelo Alvarez, I mean, although he did lose to Floyd Mayweather, he's still got a lot of potential as a fighter, you know? Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a, a, a crowd favorite, you know, uh, but so is uh, Julio uh, Chavez Jr. So, I mean, it could go either way, but I mean, I think Canelo will probably pull it off, but I mean, we'll see come May. Uh, the fight's on May 6th. May 6th. Mark your calendars, guys. Should be a good one. Um, and, of course, in all the news, if you've been paying attention to anything going on in the NFL right now, the uh, Chargers announced this week that they are going to be moving to L.A. Um, it's going to make it the second team in L.A. now, uh, you know, with the L.A. Rams. Um, are, you, are you surprised how fast that changed? Because as of a year ago, L.A. had no teams. And now going into the second year, they're going to have two teams in under two years. I just can't see what the point of doing that was. I mean, of course... Well, California's you, pretty much getting a lot of team moves because you have... Uh, when just like, Oakland, the Chargers, and the Rams. Yeah, Oakland's, yeah. Oakland's going up to... It looks like they're going to Las Vegas sometime soon because they're still voting on that Coliseum building over there. So they'll most likely be moving to Las Vegas. You have 
San Diego getting deserted. Yes, St. Louis, we don't have a football team at all. In LA, that now has. But I mean, I don't see any reason why the Chargers should have moved. They they had a good, solid fan base in San Diego. It's like, what's of- what's the point of of moving? I mean, it's all. The NFL's a business. I get it. At the end of the day, it's you know about making money. But I I just don't see the purpose. I guess. Like, let's look at it this way. LA right now got two teams that are kind of in the process of rebuilding, so they're not gonna be much to cheer for in the next couple of years. I mean, the Chargers are still a long way from making the playoffs. The Rams, we don't know what Jared Goff's gonna do. Todd Gurley was non-existent this year. So I mean, LA, yeah, you got what six professional teams now. Now many of the teams are actually good. The Angels are okay. So I mean. You guys now have six professional teams in LA now. Two football, two basketball, two baseball. I mean, is that city big enough for six professional sports? Man. I just, I, I don't, I, I don't get it. But I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the NFL. I, I, I watch every Sunday, and I'm still going to be watching every Sunday. I just don't see the point. Um, it's a money move. You know, by the NFL, not by the NFL, but you know the big, the, owners, the big head execs in the NFL for the Chargers. So, and uh, segging into our next, uh, our next bit of news here. Speaking of the Rams, not only did they get a new city, but they also got a brand new coach. Um, as you know, they fired McCoy, uh, who is now uh, offensive coordinator back at Denver. But their new coach at uh, in LA now for the Chargers is uh, Sean McVay. He was an offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins. And at 30 years old, he is now the youngest coach in NFL history. I mean, how do you feel the players, though? I mean, you're going to have players on the team that are actually older than the coach itself. Are you going to be able to, like, take them seriously as a coach? A coordinator, you can see as a, you know, a young coordinator. But as a head coach running an entire team, you have players on your team that are older. Well, look what happened with the Josh McDaniels experiment in Denver. You know, look how well that panned over. It didn't. You know, that went over like a, you know, snowball in hell, you know, so. But, and then speaking on time with Sean, uh, Sean McVay, he actually did get a good pickup on his coaching staff, though. Uh, Wade Phillips looks like he's going to become the new defensive coordinator. For Is he? I, I didn't know if he had taken that or not. He's, it's most likely leaning towards not set in stone yet, but it looks like it. He was set to meet with the Redskins as a, for their vacant defensive coordinator position. But get this, he actually turned it down because of the lack of defensive playmakers they have on that side of the ball, so. He canceled his, pretty much canceled his interview with the Redskins. And it looks pretty much leaning 80, 99% that he's going to sign the, to take over the defensive coordinator job in LA. So, you know, you got a new coach in Sean McVay, youngest coach in NFL history, but you got a pretty good defensive coordinator that got your back there. So, we'll see how that plays out come next season. Yeah, well, you know, you, you will see how that plays out next season. There's going to be a lot of coaching carousels that still, you know, change and shape the way the NFL is right now. but. Rather than dwell on that, we've got a uh, very pivotal divisional uh, NFL playoff set of games this weekend. Um, just to kind of give you a quick rundown, we got our first game here of the weekend set for uh, Seattle. 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 This is my new musical, Seattle. Sorry. Seattle and uh, Atlanta. We've got Green Bay, Dallas on Sunday. Then you've got. Houston and New England, Pitt and KC. So, yeah, so we'll, start, we'll start with our Saturday games here. Your first game of tomorrow on Saturday is going to be Seattle heading down to uh, Georgia to take on the number two seed Atlanta Falcons. 
this game, it might not be the most interesting, but I mean, not the most exciting game, but it's also the, what's the, it's the most intriguing game. So you got a defense that, I mean, did pretty good against the Lions, but it was the Lions. They kind of snuck into the playoffs a little bit here in the last part of the season. Going against, um, you know, like I said, the defense going against, you know, the top rated offense in the league pretty much, and the Falcons, who Matt Ryan can just light up with the best of them. But the only thing I'm scared about is like the defense for Seattle is shaky, but it seems like with the, uh, you know, Earl Thomas gone in the middle of the field, it looks like offense is just torching him. So I mean, yeah, I mean, matchup. And you know, we'll pick our game in just a second here, but you know, Atlanta they are five point favorites heading into this game. Seattle, as we know, they haven't been the same defense without Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, that defense, they do have a lot of, you know, cogs in the system. They're a machine. But uh, Falcons' offense, as you know, they they have a very, very potent offense. Look, you you've got the two-headed monster and Devontae Freeman, and Tevin Coleman, Coleman, right? Um, Fantasy studs. Um, You got Matt Ryan, which was Matty Ice, you know, was an MVP favorite. Mr. Ice in his veins. And then you've got Julio Jones. Okay. Um, 34 points per game they average behind Matt Ryan and company. I think that no matter what Seattle team shows up, they're going to fight their asses off. But I still think, you know, Atlanta wins this game. But And again, not my official pick just yet. But, you know, I mean, it, it's things are certainly in their favor for Atlanta right now. And, yeah. I, and I like them. I mean, I really do. I like them. Well, another thing, I think the bigger matchup here is not only... I mean, everyone kind of knows if you look at... If this is two years ago... Or last year, actually, in a couple years when Seattle won the Super Bowl, their defense is pretty much what won them that game. Their defense was unstoppable. They had the number one ranked defense going into that Super Bowl. But this year, like I said, shaky Earl Thomas been out, not really consistent on the defense side of the ball. But then you have, you know, their offense. That's an interesting side. But if you look on the other side, on their offensive side, their offensive line, you know, struggling. But then you have the number one, the sack leader of this season, Vic Beasley, who knows how to fucking turn a corner and, you know, get to the quarterbacks like that. So, I mean, that's I think that's the more interesting match in this game, is how is Seattle going to be able to handle Vic Beasley off the edge? Are they going to type, are they going to use uh, Graham as more of a blocking tight end instead of a receiver this game? Or are they going to bring uh, Wilson in and be more of a blocker and put Graham out wide? It's interesting how they handle that matchup with Vic Beasley with their off the line being so banged up for Seattle. What about the matchup between Richard Sherman and Julio Jones? If you remember early in the season, um, again, you, you touched on Vic Beasley, who uh, in the beginning of the season, not Vic Beasley, but excuse me, um, Richard Sherman uh, wasn't whistled whistle for a late pass interference call on the Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones. Um, any animosity heading into this one? Any storylines, you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think, I mean, they're both professionals. Missed calls happened. That was a big one. Remember that one? This game wasn't that long ago. Just remember, this was mid-October. Yeah, you know? so, I mean... That call, though, could have changed the outcome of the game. Well, it did. I mean, well, not really for Atlanta. I mean, maybe it would have given Atlanta a better chance of number one seed. But, I mean, you ended up with a number two seed, a first-round bye. So, I mean, it could have never really changed it that much. I mean... So, I mean, yeah, it was a loss. You know, it might, made, it might have given the first seed. I don't know. But, I mean, missed calls happen. We've definitely seen it. Not definitely not the first time. 
But the thing that you notice, though, is that it seems like a lot of the missed calls happen when you're watching Seattle, though, in Seattle's favor. How much of an advantage is it that, you know, of course, the Falcons lost in Seattle. What advantage does playing in the Georgia Dome have for the Atlanta Falcons this time around? Well, that's another thing you bring up, Tim, like you brought that up, is the Seattle Seahawks suffer a lot when they travel from the West Coast, East Coast. And look at happened when they went up to Green Bay. Yeah, they got Wilson through Carter. Oh, they, oh, they got game. they got waffle stomped on that game. But, I mean, like you bring up that, like, if not only do you got to come, you know, all the way cross country, but it's, I mean, it's not that early of a start. They do have our first game tomorrow, but it's at 3.35, so it's not a noon start game, which benefits them a little bit. But I think just going East Coast, uh, West, or West Coast, East Coast, I think it just takes a lot of a team. You know, we've seen Seattle struggle with that in the past couple of years. Most teams do struggle with that. I, there's a lot of things going into this game that, benef- uh, that benefit Atlanta going into it. But, I mean, Seattle, you know, they've been there before. So, I mean, this game, that's why this game seems to be not the most entertaining, the most intriguing of the weekend. Can you take away anything from the win from Seattle beating the Lions heading into this one? No. Like was I that said, convincing at all? Not really, no. I mean, we all expected. We all expected that It was one. pretty much the, the, the Thomas Rawls show against the Lions. Rawls ran all over them. I mean, if you guys played, if you guys, you know, I know some of you guys probably did fantasy last week. If you guys started him, I mean, bravo to you. You had a really awesome game. Not so much for us because yeah. we finished out the season on giant goose eggs. But. Yeah, so, but uh, I mean, that was pretty much the Thomas Rawls show. Wilson didn't light up the stat sheet. He played a, you know, he did pretty good, but it was pretty much the Thomas Rawls show. Um, but once again, the Lions did show that weakness in the secondary. We're getting open. You know, Earl Thomas not covering the middle of the field like he used to. So, I mean, the weakness was shown for Seattle's defense. And I think the Falcons are just red target right there in the middle of the field. They're going to just keep counting the ball in the middle of the run game, and they're going to kill in the middle of the field with the pass. Okay, so to finish off the recap on this one, let's go ahead and give our one X factor for the Seattle Seahawks-Atlanta Falcons game, and also um, who, who wins. Yep, okay, so we'll uh, start with you. My X factor is going to be Vic uh, uh, Beasley going against the offensive line of Seattle. And my pick is Atlanta at home. Okay, well my... Uh, my, my X factor here is going to be Matt Ryan. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, I think he has only, what, maybe one playoff game for Atlanta, and I believe they lost to uh, Russell Wilson, who was a rookie in the No, playoffs. they beat him that one playoff game. Did they? Okay, well, you rookie in the last time he played. I want to see if Matt Ryan is the true MVP caliber type quarterback that he you know, has played like for this entire season. You played healthy, good offensive line. Uh, Matt Ryan is definitely going to be my X factor for this game. And I, uh, I do like Atlanta in this game. They are my sleeper for the playoffs this year. I'd like them to head to the NFC Championship. Um, up next on our slate for uh, NFL games, oh, sorry. we've got a, uh, a bit of a snoozer on Saturday. If any of you guys have been paying attention, not that you care probably, um, Houston is going to travel to New England. Probably the last time they'll... Uh, be seeing a, seeing a playoff field. Unfortunately, they will not be playing a home game for the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I'm sorry for all you Texans down out there, but I mean, you guys really look at this game and realize you guys probably have it. I mean, do you think you guys seriously have a chance? I mean, the Texans, yeah, they beat a bad Raiders team who unfortunately lost their star quarterback and their backup quarterback and went into that playoff game with their third string quarterback. Yeah, the Texans had a good showing. Be happy you guys got one playoff win this year at home. There's 
there's no foreseeable way that the Texans win this game on the road. It'd be like Alabama football team losing to the Kansas Jayhawks football team. Would be the upset, necessarily, if you're comparing. The Rice Owls beating Alabama? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what you're looking at this year. I mean, this weekend. I mean, you got Tom Brady probably play with on one arm behind his back and probably still throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Houston also, I mean, they're they're a warm weather team. They're not going to be used to. I'm not. I mean, most teams can adapt, but they're going to be playing in a cold uh, atmosphere up there in Boston. And although the Texans do bring in the league's number one defense in this game, That's not Patriots have also allowed the fewest points. Yeah, you know. So, but what's also a good thing? It's funny is that the Texans have struggled offensively on the on the offensive side of the ball all season long, but they've only been shut out once this season. You know who shut them out? Hmm. The Patriots. Well, I mean, if you remember that game, um, you know, I think that was J.J. Watt's last game um, before undergoing surgery, but the Texans fumbled that way and look on at that. two kickoffs, and they saw Brissett run one back. Okay, so right there. Who played that? Who started the quarterback for the game for the Patriots in that game? Brissett. And they beat him 27-0. This is Tom Brady, guys, at home in the playoffs going against the Texans. I mean, is there really any much you can really – dive into this game. Yeah, Yuki said the highlight of the Texans, their defense, but it's Tom Brady at home in the playoffs. I mean, does he ever lose? I mean, does he ever lose? Side by side, this game, I mean... This is definitely your least attractive game of the weekend. If you look at it matchup-wise, I mean... If you're a betting man, stay with the betting game of New England. I mean, even if you're if you're going off the coaches, O'Brien, Belichick. Um, well, it's funny, though, because, I mean, everyone thought that when this first game happened, everyone gave probably the only time the Texans would favor against the Patriots. When they played this game earlier in the season, Bursette was a quarterback for the Patriots. Bill O'Brien used to work with uh, Bill Belichick. So everyone, the Texans were actually favored going into that game, and they got shut out. Bill Belichick knows how to scheme around people. He, I mean... It's Bill Belichick. He knows how to coach. He can coach with a third-string quarterback. I mean, and that was with Brissett. This matter what he's going to do with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to pick apart this defense. Number one defense is not going to look like it on Saturday. No, and I mean, Tom Brady makes any elite defense look less than stellar. I mean, let's not dwell on this one. I mean, uh, my X factor for this game, there isn't one because the Texans are going to win this one. My pick is also uh, the Texans are going to win this one. They aren't going to win this one. Patriots are going to run all over them. I don't expect this to be close. It's going to be a snoozer. Um, you know, that's just the the card that the Texans got dealt this time around in the playoffs. And unfortunately, it's going to be a bad one because, you know, you're going to get a full house with Tom Brady, LeGarrette Blunt, and everyone else that comes. So, X-factor, no axe factor, pick Patriots. Pick Patriots. If you guys are going to bet on anything, bet on how many people are actually going to count how many interceptions uh, Osweiler throws in this game. Because, I mean, it seems like he's going to struggle a lot in this game. That so are we going with the over-under for Osweiler I'll, interceptions? I'll take the, yeah, we'll go over How about we go over-under for Texans offensive turnovers? Okay, I'll go, I'll go three. I'm, I'm going to go four. I'll say two interceptions and a fumble. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, getting into one of the... Uh, the better games of this divisional slate. We've got your uh, Dallas Cowboys here uh, facing off against Green Bay. If you guys all remember, Dallas had a very good showing heading out to Lambeau. 
winning that game, right? Yeah. I'm sure you remember that one. I'm, you were very impressed by that one. But this is also when the Packers were slumping. Um, the Packers, they head to Dallas as four and a half point underdogs facing off against two rookies. Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, who themselves have been playing phenomenal, but also in their first playoff game. How much of a factor does that play? We're going to find out. If you recall, early in the season, the Cowboys were able, again, to go into Lambeau and dismantle Aaron Rodgers to the tune of a score of 30-16. to 16. Aaron Rodgers said they're going to run the table. They have... Yes, so far. They've run the table. So they've been living up to that. Um, you know, now they go against a rematch against Dallas, a team that embarrassed them at home. Packers offense finished fourth of the league in points scored with or without Jordy Nelson, how much of a factor is that going to play? And what is going to be what slows down this Cowboys train? So, um, you know, this game could literally be a toss-up. Uh, you know, on one hand, you've got, uh, you know, the Packers' defensive front. Can they put enough pressure on Dak and make him nervous enough? I could see the Packers running away with this if those things happen. But on the other hand, if Dallas sticks to what they've been doing with Zeke and a fresh Cowboys team coming off a of bye week, I could see the Cowboys reversing their playoff curse, you know? And, and yeah. you're the bigger playoff, you know, I mean, the bigger Cowboys fan. So let me, I want to hear your takes on this and see what... All right, there's a couple things I want to tackle on this game. One, Jordan Nelson being out, does that make, does that hit the Packers' offense hard? Yes, it does. It won't affect them that much. Just for the fact, look what they did last weekend when they lost. They lost them with 11 minutes left in the second quarter. And they still put up 38 points against the team, the NFL's number one ranked defense right of course they were out with uh you know Cromarty went out too in that game so that hurt him a little bit but Aaron Rodgers still found a way to make it happen without Jordy Nelson for pretty much three-fourths of the game so Jordy Nelson being out does it hurt him yeah is it you know like a big factor not so much I mean it's Aaron Rodgers we'll find Devontae Adams or Geronimo Allison whatever his name is Randall Cobb Randall Cobb yeah and another thing there's a couple like Payne said earlier, the Cowboys did go into Lambeau and beat them. So the Packers looking for revenge, beating the Cowboys. The number one seed Cowboys at home, yeah. The Cowboys are also going to chip on the shoulder because, well, Des Bryant especially. Last time these teams met, only two years ago, Cowboys lost on pretty much what turned out to be the hashtag did Des catch it or Des caught it controversy of, you know, which pretty much would have won the Cowboys the game, but it didn't. So the Cowboys are playing with that chip on their shoulder. So you gotta take that aspect into it. But my main thing going into this game is how do you slow down the Packers? You limit Aaron Rodgers' touches on the football. And how do you do that? With a strong running game. That's what the Cowboys have done all year long. They've run the when you go against Aaron Rodgers, the people are like, well let's run the ball and let's, you know, slow down the game. Let's take Aaron Rodgers out of the game by keeping him off the field. Most teams have to, you know, kind of like transition into that game plan. The Cowboys don't because the Cowboys have been doing that all year long, like you said, with Zeke and Dak. Zeke's fresh off two weeks. You know, he's itching to get up on the field and run the ball. He had one of his better games of the season in Lambeau. You know, he's looking for his first play. He makes it a good, he wants to make it a, uh, his coming out party, the rookie's coming out party for the Cowboys. So, I mean, you have Zeke and Dak coming off fresh. No one partying, no one went down to Miami, no one went, you know, whatever. They're all focused on the game. And it's the first time all year the Cowboys are going to have all their players playing. There's no one, like, I mean, they have, they have questionable tags, but just because you can't call people probable anymore, you need to call questionable or doubtful. So the Cowboys look like they're going to have everyone back. They're bringing back Morris Claiborne, bringing back uh, Tyrone Crawford, 
you know, uh, Tyrone Smith back on the offensive line, uh, Leo Collins on the offensive line coming back too. So, I mean, the Cowboys are getting a full slate of all their players back. And then you look at a deep side of the let Packers. Me, let me stop you real quick. Look, let's look at an offensive comparison here. Because if what you're saying is true, you want the Cowboys, their key to, if, if what it sounds like is the Cowboys' key to win this game is controlling the offense, tempo, and possession, right? Yes. Packers, they trail a very small margin as far as total offense per game. But passing yards per game, the Packers average 262 yards a game as opposed to the Cowboys, 226. What happens if the Packers are able to get after him and limit them? How are they going to control the time of possession here? Um, of course, obviously, the, the rushing yards per game is the runaway here, so we're not even going to consider that a factor. Points per game, Packers lead here as well. Um, biggest thing that stands out here um, is the third down conversions. If you remember that Vikings game, Cowboys got exposed on hardly being able to convert any third down. The Packers lead by a considerable margin here on third down conversions. So if the Packers are to lose in Dallas, how are they going to do it? You know, I mean, I know what you're saying is time possession, but you know, Dallas they kind of trail on some of these these statistics here. You have okay. Well, let's say that this way: Cowboys can are kind of like a, the chameleon of the NFL. They can mix in with any. They can beat you in a low-scoring game. They can beat you in a high-scoring game. Look what Kirk Cousins did to him on Thanksgiving: torched him for almost like 400 yards and like what three or four touchdowns. And the Cowboys still won that game. Their defense—they come up with the stops they need to, which they've shown all year long. They have a bend-don't-break defense. They have an offensive, you know, with Z Ops, one of the best offensive lines if not the best offensive line in the game, behind a fresh running back in Zeke Elliott, followed by Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. Now, you can't tell me that last week, going into that game with the Giants, that if the Giants actually had somewhat of a running game, that first half didn't. I mean, they were up, what, 6-0? Bums if they go up 14-0 instead of 6-0. They get two touchdowns instead of two field goals if they actually had a running game. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the Cowboys have all the necessary tools to beat the, to beat the Packers, I'm not saying this is going to be like a one-sided game by any stretch of the means. I mean, this is going to be, you know, a slugfest between Aaron Rodgers and... I certainly hope this is this is closer than Packers and Giants. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they give, what, the Cowboys are a five-point favorite. I mean, it's not like they're not... I think it's going to be closer than that. You no, know, I'm saying, yeah, it's probably going to come down to a last-second field goal. Or, and, and, everyone's, and everyone's saying that if it comes down to an Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary again, then the Cowboys pretty much lost the game already. So it comes down to a Hail Mary pass from... Uh, to be honest, I mean, I, that, it continues to amaise me every single time I see it. How he gets, how he gets that Hail Mary in? He gets the line. How do you not know how to defend that if you know it's going to happen? All defenders here, Hail Mary, jump up at the high point of the ball, swat it down, swat it. How do you guys let receivers like Randall Cobb get behind like four defenders in the back of the end zone on the last play of halftime? Like seriously, I mean, it's not that hard to defend Hail Mary. But, I mean, the one thing that kind of scared me is that the Cowboys even said this uh, this week going into it that they've practiced a couple plays in practice of how to defend at home Mary. It's happened twice. Aaron Rodgers has it's gotten... It's sad when that's part of your game, game plan. plan. Exactly, yeah. That's what scared me. The Cowboys are actually practicing how to defend at home Mary. It's not that hard, guys. It's in the air. You're, you're throwing it to a swarm of people. Bat it down. It's not that hard. But if it comes down to home Mary and we lose on that, I mean, I mean, the Cowboys probably lost to the game anyway, so I mean... But, I mean, this game is definitely the most inter- entertaining one of the weekend. 
I mean, this is probably the one I'm most looking forward to. Myself. I think everyone's looking forward. I mean, if the, I think the NFL is secretly going for the Cowboys in this game. I say secretly because they want the Cowboys to keep bringing up the ratings in the season. The Cowboys. Cowboys, Cowboys are selling tickets. Yeah, pretty much. They're selling all the highest-rated games this year for the NFL. And the top six, Cowboys are in five of them. I mean, it's the NFL wants the Cowboys to just to carry on their ratings, but I mean, I mean, either way, whatever teams they carry on, either you have, you know, the one that kind of scares me too is the experience. Yeah, you have Zeke coming off a really great season, best rookie season. And Cowboys running back history. You got Dak Prescott, who's coming off the best rookie season compared to Aaron. Uh, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's first season. So I mean, does the pressure get to him? It looks like they seem kind of professional when it comes to it. But of course, you don't know until the lights are on you in that game. Aaron Rodgers been there before. Last time Aaron Rodgers was in Dallas. I mean, one of the bigger games in Dallas. He hosted the Lombardi Trophy. So I mean, will that bring? Will that Aaron Rodgers come in, or will this? You know turning the table or running the table finally come to an end. I mean, it's definitely, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, stories going into this game that make it very intriguing and very interesting and entertaining. Okay, so X Factor and your pick. X Factor is going to be, what is X Factor game? I mean, it's, there's a lot of them. It's, um, I will go with how do the Cowboys put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be the Cowboys' defensive line. They don't really have a known pass rusher. So it's pretty much how, the X factor is how are the Cowboys going to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers and keep him from scrambling inside the pocket and actually get sacked on. That's my X factor. My pick is, of course, the Cowboys. I'm not taking the points, though. Five points is going to be a lot closer. I'm not taking the points. But I'll take Cowboys. Not I'm gonna go the reverse on you for the X factor here. I mean, you're going with, and this might truly come down to whichever defensive line can put more pressure on each side of the ball. But my X factor is gonna be the Packers uh, defensive line. Can Julius Peppers and Co. Clay Matthews? I mean, they have proven to be, you know, a very formidable team against the pass and against the rush. Mainly against the rush, because I mean, if you're looking at, um, and mind you. Zeke Elliott had his, one of his best games of the season against, at the time, this was the number one ranked defense, rush defense in the league when the Cowboys played him. But I mean, if you're actually looking at it, the Cowboys surrendered less rushing yards per game than the Packers did. 94 yards a game to the Packers uh, that they're yielding. Cowboys only 83 yards a game, so uh, on average. Um, but that, that's good I, on, on paper... The Cowboys have a better defense, but I mean, you can't you can't bet against Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers. I mean, What's these guys can make plays. That's why they're my X factor. Is the Cowboys? I mean, the the, the Packers, the the defensive front seven. Okay. Okay, but uh, what's, I mean, what's you look at this game? What's going to lose it? It's I've always said that if the Packers were to lose, what loses this game is whichever team commits more turnovers. To be honest. Well, I mean, well, that I mean, that's going to mostly. That's time of possession and turnovers are going to control this game. That's going to mostly going to be a factor in any game. But what I'm talking about here is. I've said all season long, well, since they've started this run-the-table stuff, they've been playing pretty good. But I said when they lose, it's going to be because of their defense. Aaron Rodgers is not going to lose you a game. Aaron Rodgers is going to put you in position to win the game. Like you said, if they lose, it's going to be, honestly, I think it's going to be on the Packers' defense if they lose this game. If they win, it's going to be probably Aaron Rodgers that does it. If they lose, it's probably going to be on the defense. Are they going to be able to stop Zeke? And like you said, your X-Factor, which is a really good one, 
Can they put pressure on Dak and can they stop the run? I think if they can disrupt Dak and that chemistry, I mean, because look what, you know, the Vikings were able to do. Um, Vikings are out of the playoffs. But what the Giants were able to do, I mean, it was a simple chemistry and it was a simple I wanna, you know, I formula. Get... But uh, again, my, my pick, um, you know, I'm going to go, obviously, I'm going with the Packers in an upset here. I think it's going to be a very close game and, and no, nothing against you or, you know, the, pa- or the, the, the Cowboys. I just, you know, maybe Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, they prove us all wrong. But I mean, I, I, I'm not putting a whole lot of faith in some, you know, in two rookies that have been amazing all season. No discredit to them at all, because they're going to be strong rookie or the cannons, the both of them. But oh, you know, I just think Aaron Rodgers, he's been there before. He's hoisted that trophy. Clay Matthews has hoisted that trophy. Um, Mike McCarthy, you know, and no discredit to Jason Garrett either. This is going to be a closer game than a lot of us think. I, oh, yeah, that's, I, mean, I, I mean, this is why. I mean, that's my my pick is the Packers. Um, and I'll let you get to your point real quick. I don't think that. I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting this game to be like a blowout on either side. I mean, it could be. It could turn into. It could easily turn into you know the Aaron Rodgers show or the Dak, Dak Prescott Zeke show. But I want to ask you here. It's it's going to be brought up during the game. You know, it's going to be brought up. If Dak Prescott struggles, do you see Tony Romo entering this game? No, I I don't. I mean, and. I don't see any scenario where, unless Dak Prescott throws four interceptions in the first quarter. So you're saying the only way that Dak Tony Romo gets in this game is if Dak Prescott gets hurt. Yeah. So you think? Without can- a doubt. I mean, why why throw off everything if you've been going against Dak's our quarterback, Romo's our backup, Tony Romo succeed you know succeeds to, um, you know Dak he's our man, Dak Dak he's our man. You know, why Why change that up now unless something catastrophic happens? And, okay. you know, we're all hoping that nothing happens. I want to put you in this scenario. People want to get your opinion on this. Say Dak Prescott struggles throughout the whole game. He throws a couple interceptions, maybe fumbles the ball. But it still comes down to the last drive. Cowboys had the last drive of the game. You know Prescott's been struggling against the defense. Do you put Romo in there for that last drive? To try to win you the game, put you in a field goal. Say you need a field goal. Do you put him in there enough to get him to a field goal? Right? No, I don't. I mean, because you've you've ridden Dak's shoulders throughout the entire season. But Why? But so so then what happens? Tony Romo wins the game for you. Then who are you gonna go? You're gonna have this this um, another big quarterback controversy throwing off the team chemistry heading into your your next game in the NFC Championship. Well, I'm not I just say why do it? I mean, as a cowboy, I mean, as a Cowboys fan, I don't want to see Tony Romo into the game. But you know, you're gonna have those people that are gonna. They want Romo in there because he's, you know, he hasn't proven himself in the playoffs, but he has more playoff experience. So I mean, I'm not, I mean, I've, I for one hope I don't see Tony Romo in the game. Not to take anything for Tony Romo, he still got it. He showed on that one drive against the Eagles. It was the Eagles. It's like a two carried away here. It was the Eagles defense. But I mean, like, I mean, I hope nothing well for Tony Romo. I hope he, hope he, you know, hope he has a good career. I mean, I don't see him in Dallas at the end of the season. But like Peyton said, I don't want to see Tony Romo in this game. I don't care if Dak Prescott's. I say you ride or die with Dak Prescott. You lose the game. You live. You, you live, live by die, Dak or die Dak. by Dak. You know. Yeah. So I mean, but I just wanted. To, I just wanted to ask you to see what you actually thought about that, and see if you actually see him enter his game at any point. I really don't think he would, but I just want to get your opinion. You no, know, I mean, again, you live and die by Dak. Um, my pick Packers. Your pick Cowboys. Another X factor. I want a little underlying X factor here. Expect Des Bryant to come out with a purpose in this game, though. He's not. He's trust me. When he gets every ball, he's gonna cradle that thing and probably suffocate the crap out of it. When he gets that line, 
not gonna do any of this. Is it a catch or not a catch trap anymore? He's gonna, you know, every time he gets the ball, he's gonna either, you know, grab that thing up so tight, but he's not gonna go there anymore. This is it a catch or not a catch thing? Well, let's just hope that Des Bryant doesn't pull a Odell Beckham and uh, completely not show up for their game that counts the most. But let's uh, let's go go ahead and move on to our next and last game. Um, Big news about this game, guys. It was actually scheduled to be. Stop using Alexa, Noah. Who's using Alexa? God damn. Yes, stupid shit. Rangers and left-handed pitcher Jake Beefman agreed a 2.55 million dollar deal for that. The capital of the fucking Rangers just re-signing for the What? Rangers just re-signing everyone. Again, we're heading into our last game here. Um, this game, as you are aware, got flexed to the late game on due Sunday due to weather. Public safety concern the uh, the town of Kansas City uh, due to, like Payton said, due to the uh, strong storm of a ice storm coming in through the town, uh, through the city of Kansas City. It was originally supposed to be played at 12, but due to the uh, chance of uh, severe weather, they actually have moved this to pretty much it's a Sunday night football game now. The game that kick off around 7:25, 7:30. So, I mean, how do you think that affects the team? You get used to playing at a certain time. You think that throws up any of the team's schedule going into this game? No. I mean, you're giving them a one-day notice, but I mean, you know, you. I don't think the time changes anything. But I mean, but I mean, you have these people that these players that are, you know, they're creatures of habit. You know, they have. Okay, the game's at noon. I know what I gotta do going into this time. This time, like two days in advance. Do you think, like, okay, they're going on to their schedule and it's like, oh, we got bumped to the 720 game now. You think you don't think that changes anything, like, mindset of any players? I, I don't. I mean, the playoffs should, your mindset should be in the same place every single time. Um, regardless of the time that this game is played, um, I think this is going to be a good one. Uh, one of the reasons, this is probably my, um, you know, my second favorite game of the weekend. Um... One being, Steelers enter this game as one and a half point underdogs, um, which, you know, I don't know how with the way that the Steelers have been playing, because if you look at Le'Veon Bell, right, he looks to capitalize against a Chiefs team that, I mean, he's been averaging 143 yards a game as of late. Uh, last seven games, I think, is what he's been. Um, Chiefs, if you recall, tend to have some holes when it comes to stopping the run, and... They allow 121 yards a game to opposing backs. I believe, um, you know, 
the Steelers, they are, they're, they're my dark horse Super Bowl sleeper. If any team can upset the Patriots, it's going to be them. God knows it's not going to be the Texans. Um, so I think, you know, I think the Steelers can definitely do some damage and shake things up in Arrowhead. Now, um, how that, how, how that shapes out, you know, it's remains to be seen. of my Pandora, it tries to like add, tries to get me to keep adding fucking stations of Pandora.